know if you're like me, but I sit here and I, I appreciate the offering. Um, it's like a gift. Just get to sit for a few minutes. That doesn't happen a lot uh, during the week. And I'm so glad we built a sanctuary that has windows. It's not a negative comment on anybody. I'm just saying. Um, and these flowers, you know, just thinking about creation tells something about the glory of God. And so that's what we're here for, is to see in whatever way it comes out, the glory of God. That's what changes a heart, a mind, a soul. Along with God's word, his special revelation, which is where we're going to be today in Luke chapter 6. Luke 6, page, uh, or verse 37. If you're using a blue Bible... Encourage you to have your Bible open in front of you in some form. It's page 863. And I said this last week, I'll say it again this week. This passage is very important um, for a lot of reasons, but because it's particularly practical uh, for every disciple. And so the next, last week, this week, and next week are going to be like one long sermon about this text here. It's a little piece of the Sermon on the Mount that Luke inserts here in Luke chapter 6. And I want us to think of us as wrestling with the text. Um, So how do I apply this to my specific situation? How how is Jesus' teaching reorganizing my thoughts and my practices? And if it's helpful for you to, to just send an email, I appreciate those who sent an email this week, just... Here's my situation. Here's how I'm trying to wrestle with it. Here's a a question I have, or here's something this text answered in something that I'm dealing with. And let's also think about these sermons as uh, a work in progress rather than a finished product. As I mentioned last week, imagine coming into a carpenter shop, and he's got a few items that he's finished, uh, but this isn't one of them. This is the back where he's still got things to carve off or put in. And there'll be a lot of things that you'll, you'll, you'll resonate towards and put into your life in a, in a unique way. And so I just want us to have that in mind. Let's stand together as we read these few verses beginning in Luke chapter 6 verse 37. Jesus speaking to his disciples. Judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but don't notice the log that is in your own? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take this speck out that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that's in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. 
The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. You may be seated. Let's take a moment to reflect together on God's word. Pretend with me that I have two beautiful apple trees in my backyard. Nancy loves cold, crisp apple. And so several years ago, I decided to make her happy. I would plant two apple trees in my backyard so that every fall when the apples appeared, she could go out just out of her kitchen and grab a cold, cold, crisp apple to eat. But the problem is, every year, the trees don't produce cold, crisp apples. They produce small, mealy, soft apples. It's really the opposite of what she was hoping for. And after several years of picking off small, mealy, soft apples, she says, in some frustration, but with a smile, Paul, can't you do anything about these apple trees? And I snap back. Nicely, snap back. (laughs) Hey, on Saturday, I'm going to fix these trees. So I wake up Saturday morning, I go to the farmer's market. I get a basket of the most beautiful apples you've ever seen. I take them home, and on my way to the backyard, I stop into the garage, get a ladder and a staple gun. And for the next hour, Nancy looks out of our window and watches me carefully staple three dozen apples onto these two trees. And then I come in with my chest stuck out and very prideful. Honey, the apple trees are fixed. Go out and pick a nice crisp apple from our trees. Well, what does Nancy know? Besides that I'm in need of professional help. I mean, that would be one thing. She knows those apples aren't going to last long because they're not connected organically to the root system of the tree. So it won't be long before they start to rot. And the other thing she knows, and you know as well, next season, what kind of apples are we going to get? We're going to get small, soft, mealy apples. Because you can't just staple good apples to the tree. You have to do something to the root system. If you want to get a different fruit, you have to work on the roots. 
And I didn't do that. I just wanted to staple on some nice apples. But it's going to take some effort, some energy on my part to change the root system of this tree in order to get a good apple. This is really very much like the illustration Jesus gives at the end of this long teaching section, verse 43 through 45. Notice the connecting word, the very first word in verse 43, for. So you know he's, he's finished something, and then he wants, like a good teacher, I need to give you a picture, I need to give you an illustration for, and then he gives this illustration about fruit trees. And we know that he's been teaching in verse 27. He says, uh, uh, but I say to you, in other words, he's gathering his 12 disciples together saying, okay, I'm going to tell you guys something. And I, I need you to pay attention because if you're apprentices of Jesus, if you say you're a disciple, if you say you're a follower of Jesus, he's very clearly going to give us some commands. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Be kind to ungrateful and evil people. Be merciful and generously forgive. Now, are those hard to understand? No. Are they hard to do? Oh, yes. But it's very clear. Hey, if you're going to be a disciple, if you're going to be a follower, if you're going to be an apprentice, then these are the things. This is the fruit that people should be able to see in your life if you're following me. But Jesus understands by using this illustration at the end that these are not actions you can simply staple on to your life. These are instead, you notice in verse 45, these are treasures that come out of your heart. You can't sit here this morning and say, okay, I got the list of of these seven things I've got to do and I need to love my enemies and do good and bless and pray and be kind and I'll go home and I'll staple them onto my life. Jesus is saying to his first century disciples and his 21st century disciples, stapling won't work. Something has to happen in a root system and these things are the product of something. They're not things that are stapled on. These character traits come out of a wealth of God's mercy and love. That's the treasure that's at the bottom of your soul. And what comes out of your mouth is a display of what's in that treasure box. So if you want to know what's in your treasure box down in your soul that you operate out of the the fuel, just open your mouth. And whatever comes out, we'll all be able to say, okay, that's what's inside. That's what's inside. Jesus uses the illustration here at the end of his teaching as a moment for self-examination. Okay, guys, you've heard me say stuff. Now let's just stop for a second. What, what comes out of your mouth? You hear that? I, I, as the teacher, I just want to pause. I've, I've given you sort of a list, and these are the things that are going to be on the final exam. But, you know, let's pause right here and just say, what about you? What's coming out of your mouth? That's going to tell us, that's going to inform all the rest of us here, what's really down inside. And if you see that the actions of your life don't cohere to what Jesus is saying, which would be the case for the disciples, then he wants us to take a look at the root system. And this this is key 
He doesn't want the disciples to go home and say, I've got to staple these things on. That would be a big mistake by any of us here to just hear a list of projects you've got to work on and you go home and just try to staple them on because they're not going to last. And when they fall off, what's going to come back out if you don't change the treasure is the same thing. So instead, go home and examine the root system. If you see hypocrisy and anger and hate and judgmental attitudes, cursing or cutting remarks about others, if that's what's coming out of your mouth, especially towards your enemies, then stop and do some self-examination. Stop and say, where is this coming from? I just get into this person's presence and like a volcano begins to erupt. I mean, I just somehow can't help myself. When I see this or I'm involved with this, it just starts an explosion. And if I'm not careful, it's just going to come spilling out of my mouth. And we just want to stop and say, where does that come from? It's kind of getting to the question that we started many months ago now in Genesis chapter 3 when God came in the garden. Remember the first question he asked? Where are you? So that's, that's my question. That's Jesus' question today. Where, where are you? What's coming out of your mouth? What does that tell us about your soul? What's down in this treasure box? What's driving you to say or do these certain things? It's been my experience that most of the time when you find evil treasures coming out of your mouth, usually comes with a personal wound or comes from a personal wound and or pride and fear. Most of the time, if you just take time to sit quietly and think, you're going to come back to something happened and now that, that deep personal wound sort of rewired me in a way that I, I act this way. Or I have a fear or I have some pride. And those things, those are treasures that, that spill out of my life in unhealthy ways. I really love Jesus's picture. I don't, I don't know how you picture it, but he, what, what he says is there's a treasure you have And out of that treasure, we see what you really believe in. And I love the picture of treasure because this is the picture I get in my mind. I get like the pirate's treasure box. That's in my mind, right? And you you open the box and what's in there? Gold coins and special jewels. And what do you do when you open it up? Oh, you run your hands through it. And you, you let the coins sort of fall out of your fingers like, oh, this, this feels so good. I'm so glad I have this treasure. And that's what happens with pride and fear and wounds. We hold on to these things like little coins, like, oh, I can't let that go. This has been my friend. This has been my companion. This has given me the words to speak. This has caused me to do things. And it's very hard to let go. It's you have good treasure or evil treasure, but you notice they're treasures both ways. They're things that you treasure. That's why you can't just staple things onto you. You've got to change the treasure, the things that you meditate on. Joseph did a good job today saying the things that you growl over. Good picture. Are they good things? Or is it pride or some wound 
or fear. Let's say you're like me this week and you think, hmm, I've got some rottenness in the root system. Now, this won't apply to most of you all, but just a few that think, "Uh uh-oh, I'm examining some of the things that are coming out and I need to go back to the root system. I want to just suggest three things. Number one, take heart. The disciples didn't get this all done in this, after this first teaching. So you're not going to get it done after as wonderful as this sermon is going to be and already has been. Amen. It's not, it's not going to get you all the way there. So take heart. Don't, don't give up. The transformation doesn't happen all at once. Don't beat yourself up and think, well, it's all is lost. No, Jesus is still at work. And I just want to give you such a great example of that. Luke chapter 9, just a couple of pages to the right, page uh, verse 51. When the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up, this is going to Jerusalem, he sent his messengers ahead of him and to enter the village of the Samaritans to make preparation. So Jesus has sort of an advanced team. I'm coming with my group. And I need a place to stay and I need some food to eat. Verse 53, but the people did not receive Jesus. And when the disciples, James and Don, these are two of the people in the teaching session back here in Luke 6. When they heard the news from the advance team, hey, we don't want Jesus to come through here. This is what they say. This is what comes spilling out of their treasure box. Lord, do you want us to to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? I mean, what is Jesus doing right now? Did you hear what I said back in chapter six? I mean, is this something like loving your enemies? Hey, I, you didn't do what I like, uh, fire. <laughs> I mean, is that what I am? So I, I just want you to take heart that here are two of the main, I mean, if there's insiders in the disciple group, James and John are on the inside and they don't get it. So take heart. It's going to take some time. Number two, don't, as I've already said, don't go home and try to staple the characteristics onto your life. Examine what you think about God's love towards you. Paul in Ephesus is praying for his congregation, and he says this, I pray that you will be rooted and grounded in God's love. Because he knows. These, these people are going to face all kinds of pressures, all kinds of things he can't imagine about their lives. But he knows if they have the right root system, that they really are loved by God Almighty. Then they can produce fruit in all kinds of situations. So one, take heart. Two, Work on the root system. And three, find someone who can help you. This journey that we're on with Jesus, it's not a solo act. And you're going to need someone to help you. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. Proverbs 25, the purpose in a man's heart is like deep water. You hear that? The purpose of why I'm doing something is deep water. I can't always see all the way to the bottom. Even in myself, 
So I need a counselor, I need a spouse, I need a family, I need a friend. I need someone to say, Paul, I know you can't see all the way down, but here's what we see. The purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Isn't that a great picture? Many of us need someone to say, okay, let's try to draw that out. Let's try to find out where that wound is. Let's try to find out why you have that pride and fear. And let's try to draw it out and try to see it. Let's bring it out into the light. And so you need help along that way. Okay. That's not really the sermon. That's why this is a wood shop. That's just like the setup. And most of you are going, that sounds a lot like a sermon, Paul. Three points, the whole thing. But... It's, it's important that we understand sort of our founding point in this before we get to more concrete pictures. And we're going to do that in the second half of this sermon and then all of next sermon by talking about practices and position. So I want to make sure you have the image in your mind. You are adequately thinking about the root system. You're self-examining whether what's coming out of my mouth. And that might be enough for a lot of us just to take home and chew on. So if if you sort of dial out, I understand. But I want to move to now what Jesus talks about here, two different things. Your position as you get ready to uh, engage in the world and especially in difficult situations. I mean, this is loving your enemies. This is blessing and praying for people who aren't on your team. How do, I, how do I know if I'm in the right position to sort of enter into that kind of dialogue? I got I to gotta check myself first before I sort of enter in, especially to something difficult, something challenging. And there's three practices that I want to point out here. You know, the, the, the GPS, you, everybody knows this, right? You have a GPS on your phone. I mean, this is how, how do we find people's homes, you know, b- before this? you know, write it here and you have to write it all out in the Burger King and this, and there's a big tree and it's burnt down and, you know, it's all this stuff. But now you just put it into your phone, right? And your, your assistant, you, you pick the voice that you like, uh, gives you directions, you know, in a hundred yards, turn right. And, you know, if you, I love it when you'd like turn into a gas station or something, return to the route, return to the route. I mean, just Paul, you are off course. And, and the global positioning system, the way it works is it triangulates your position. This is a simple way of saying it from three satellites in space. It's amazing. It sends your location to three different satellites and it triangulates your, where you're going and also where you need to go. So there's three satellites. It's called the global positioning system. And I want to use that as our three ways to think about are we in position and GPS. Here's the first thing, first position, verse 31. And if you, and as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. This is what we think of as the golden rule. Do, do unto others as you would have them do unto to you. So in this one verse, this is the G, Jesus delivers a master's degree in ethics. 
when you're faced with a difficult situation, when it's hard to forgive, ask yourself, how would I want someone to come towards me in this situation when I'm hard to forgive, when I'm the difficult person? Now, that this is, you got to realize, sometimes you're the person that somebody's scared to come talk to, right? It's not, it's not you're perfect and everyone else is messed up. I hate to say it, you're messed up. And somebody's coming towards you and wondering, oh, how should I deal with them? How would you want someone to deal with you? If you need forgiveness or you're a difficult person or you're acting like an enemy, we use the golden rule. So often when people call me and ask for advice, I just start with, how would you want someone to come? I mean, if it was you, let's get into your, their shoes. How would you want someone to come? Such, such a great starting point. And we need to be careful here because I think it's very easy for all of us to adopt the golden rule because we assume that's the rule everyone's playing with. Have you ever done that? Well, you know, in this family, we're doing the golden rule. And I'm going to treat you this way. And then you got to think about how I would be treated. And we adopt it thinking I'm doing the golden rule because I'm going to get the golden rule back. And then what happens? You don't get gold back, right? You give gold and you get a rock. And what can happen is, well, I'm not doing the golden rule anymore. I mean, it's not working. You ever done this? Hey, it's falling apart, so let's, let's do another rule. Let's get another rule. That's not what Jesus says here. Does he say that? No, you're, you're going to get rocks back from your enemies. You're going to get rocks back in all kinds of ways, but you have to keep coming at the person as if that's how you would want to be treated. This is what's so hard about this. What does Jesus say about this? Well, I'm only going to do the golden rule if people do the golden rule in return. Verse 32. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. So if you're only going to do the golden rule to people who give gold back, then, then, then that's not the golden rule anymore. Let's call that the sinner's rule. Everyone does that. Everybody's into giving stuff that then you get it right back in a good way. That's the sinner's rule. That's, you don't get credit for that. As a follower of Jesus, your mindset must be, I'm going to treat this person how I wish to be treated no matter what they give back to me. See, that's going to be very hard to do. And that's where you're going to have to check your root system. Not really loved by God. Am I completely secure in my identity in Christ? Or do I need my identity from this person? Check your position. G, the golden rule. P, practice mercy. See that in verse 36? Be merciful, even as your father is mercy, merciful. It should be be merciful, but GBS just didn't do it. So practice mercy is better. Practice mercy because God's been merciful to me. See, before I go in and I talk to this enemy or this difficult conversation, I'm just going to be in the right position. God's been merciful to me. God's been merciful to me. When I was cold, when I was distant, when I was all these things, God was merciful. I'm just getting myself in that position. And we have to, again, I think for some of us here, 
have to be careful because the longer you're in the faith, there's a tendency to drift that God doesn't deal with you according to your mercy. He deals with you according to your righteousness. Turn with me just again a few pages over to Luke 18. This will be a passage that most of us are familiar with. Jesus tells a parable to some who trusted in themselves. These were the Pharisees. Luke 18, verse 9. He told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. See, I'm righteous, and so I treat others with, what does it say? Contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like these other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, even like this tax collector over here in the back. I fast twice a week. I give my money away. But the tax collector, standing off at a distance, wouldn't even lift up his eyes to heaven, beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. See, that there's a tendency for people who've been around the Bible a lot they forget that God dealt with them in mercy. And they move towards the front of the congregation as a righteous person. And when you do that, you drift towards contempt. Contempt, look down. Any Lay Mez fans here? Okay, I'll talk to you four right now. Um, <laughs> very first song, very powerful. You know what it's called? Look down. Look down. It's very strong. And Javert, this guy who's the law, he's got it all right. He's sort of marching around and he's looking down on Jean Valjean and all the slaves. And the whole song, look down, look down. I look down on you. You should look down. And the man in, in that that is righteousness righteous in his own eyes he doesn't see himself javert has no idea who he is through the whole movie he doesn't give mercy because he never thinks he needs any mercy he's always looking down what by the way changed jean valjean's heart remember this he stole something from the bishop and when he got found out, remember the bishop? Oh, you left some other stuff behind. Here's some more. See, he got mercy and his heart changed. When he got contempt, looked down, oh, he wasn't going to change. And so that's the picture that Victor Hugo is painting. This is the picture Jesus is painting. This is where Victor Hugo got the whole, whole play is mercy is changing people's hearts. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at myself and say, am I in the position to understand, oh God, you have been so merciful to me, a sinner. So when I get engaged in this thing, I have a tendency to want to give mercy rather than contempt. You ever talk to somebody who you think in the way they're talking to you is looking down? Do you feel like changing for that person? Oh, no. See, you see what's happening? Jesus is doing something very practical here, very hard. Check your position. Are you going to 
G, are you going to operate according to the golden rule? Are you going to practice mercy? And then finally, S, GPS, has this great little, I think it's Jesus' opportunity for uh, humor, the speck in the log, verse 41 and 42. Basically saying, hey, before you engage with other people, take a good hard look at who? Uh, Yourself. Imagine working on a home improvement project. Suddenly there's a major collapse. The dust settles and the person over that's working with you is holding their eye. Oh, oh man, I got that dust got my eye. And you, you race over, say, oh, how can I help you get that dust particle out? But the roof beam fell into your eye. And now you have a 30-foot roof beam, which is the word log used, sticking out of your eye. And you're like, let me help you. Well, no, I mean, it, I think it's Jesus saying, it's ridiculous. If you're going to operate this way, you're going to be a hypocrite. Hypocrisy is having a high standard for everyone else, but a, a lower standard for you. I don't know if you're fu- you, you laugh at this now or you're frustrated, but you see these politicians with the masks. And they tell you, you got to wear a mask all the time, and then they get photographed, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know, you could just say, yeah, that's where evil comes out of my evil treasure right there. <laughs> uh, but that's the idea is you can't just say it, and then you're doing something else. You got to see the log in your own eye. You got to realize I've got problems first before I try to help somebody else. Hypocrisy is caring for other people's sin more than you care for your own. So if you lack self-awareness that you have logs in your own eye, it doesn't mean you can't help somebody. It just means you need to start with yourself. Your, Your friend needs help. They have dust in their eye. We're just saying, you got to step back and say, okay, before I, I say anything, I just need to realize I'm, I'm, I'm in need of mercy. I got logs in my own eye. I'm just recognizing that. It helps you come in in a different posture. And I can tell you, if you've never really experienced the emotional pain of your own faults being exposed, can some of you feel that right now? I I just remember when my own faults got just exposed, how fragile, how how, uh, vulnerable I felt, how ashamed I felt, how much I wanted to make it go away or hide or pretend like it wasn't there. If you've never really felt that way, then you're not going to come towards somebody with the right equipment. You're going to come with a knife. Hey, let's get that speck out. Not a tissue. Oh, I know it's hard. I I know because I felt it. So I'm trying to come just to help you with this area. And I'm being very tender and delicate because I know, I know how hard it is. I, I felt that myself. So let's stop here. Just on the practice, on the, on the position. Next week, we'll talk about these seven practices. But here, here's your assignment for this week. Just, just notice what comes out of your mouth. And then ask, where did that come from? 
What's the root of that? Because if I just say, I just, I'm just going to shut up. It, mm, you know what? Oh, I wish that worked. But it just builds. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Builds and brrr, I just can't. So what, what, is, what is that root system? And secondly, as you, as you enter into these difficult situations, especially these relational situations, you know, sometimes your enemy is in your home. Am I practicing the golden rule? Not, 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 not the sinner's rule. That I get back what I, I'm giving. I'm just going to give it even if I get back rocks. Am I practicing mercy? Have I stopped long enough just to say I got, I got logs in my own eye? So as I come trying to help you, I'm not coming with an axe or a knife. I wouldn't want you to come towards me that way. I'm coming with a tissue to say, I don't know if you can see this, but let's try, let's try to address that issue. Let's pray together. Lord, we come with um, all kinds of wounds in this room. And you, by your divine work of your Holy Spirit, need to, to come in and, and help us see, help us be bathed in the love of Christ, to know his love, know it experientially, not just know it as a written word, but we know it, we've, we've received that, we've felt it. Help us to check our positions this week, Lord, before we practice Help us to know where we are. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing our closing song.